Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hits! Browns are going to win! Bayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. fans now cover two a podcast on the cleveland browns wait wait now hey yeah this is george thomas from the akron beacon journal along with browns beat writer nate ulrich um just after the browns have beat the jacksonville jaguars in a meaningless preseason game where 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 no starters played. <laughs> I I'm sorry. I'm going to start off with this. Preseason games need a freaking running clock because they're they're just brutal. <clears throat> with that, <laughs> I open with a question. Okay. Did Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa catch up today? <laughs> he really did. You know, I, I think that's the story uh, of the game. Two things. One, you're mostly right about starters, except for there were some starters. Most starters did not play, but the starters who did play, they were on the defense, and they were um, really in the linebacking core. And then, obviously, we had Greg Newsome, the second, and Greedy Williams out there. One of them is going to win that number two cornerback job that they're competing for. But the linebackers, other than Anthony Walker Jr., who's coming off a knee injury, he practiced this past week, but obviously he wasn't expected to play. The other guys did. Now, Mac Wilson, he got hurt in the first quarter. I think it was early and never returned. Shoulder injury. I don't know the severity of it. Kevin Stefanski, um, after the game, said he'll have more information tomorrow. So that is a major bummer because you – the, the one thing you want to avoid more than anything, obviously, is injuries in the preseason, especially to a key player. And Mac Wilson had actually worked his way into key player status in this training camp. He has been one of the best players in training camp. And it's really interesting. Uh, and, of course, this is like how it goes sometimes in the business. I wrote earlier this week, Mac Wilson has position, positioned himself really well to hold off JOK. Uh, for that starting weak side linebacker job entering the season. Now I wrote, it can change with one injury. You know, JOK could still, you know, gain enough ground, but it's a steep hill to climb. Well, he he made it up the hill tonight. I mean, he really did. And what's what's so interesting about this is he missed the first five practices, George, 
because he was he, he contracted COVID-19 and ended up on the COVID list. He's out 10 days away from the team. He admitted that the virtual walkthroughs they had him doing, he thought he would be, be able to stay up to speed with those. But then when he came back and actually practiced, he realized he was not actually up to speed and he was behind. He looked forward to playing a lot tonight and making a lot of noise and catching up, and he really did. He had eight tackles, uh, three of them for loss. One of those was a sack, blitzed up the middle and uh, and got to uh, Gardner Minshew. Um, just a really, really nice performance. Almost blocked a punt, was very active everywhere. That, that speed and athleticism that has showed up on the field in training camp translated to this game. He hadn't made like wild plays in training camp, but you could still see and feel that speed. Um, and then obviously he capitalized tonight on an opportunity. I got to give Mac Wilson credit because this is a Mac. This was a blow to Mac Wilson. He gets hurt and this guy comes out and just lights it up. But Mac Wilson's a class act. He really is. He tweeted JOK with fire emojis tonight. You know, who, who knows how hurt he is, but for him to give that uh, JOK props, um, I think says a lot about Mac Wilson, the kind of guy he is. What was the most impressive thing JOK did tonight in your estimation? I mean, what, what, yeah. The I most mean, impressive thing he did tonight. Okay. I mentioned the tackles for loss. I'm glad you asked that question. The most impressive thing was actually he covered a receiver on a third and six or no, it might've been different. It might've been shorter than that. Um, he covered a receiver and he made a tackle, a key stop on a third down, covering the receiver. Um, of course, I don't have it right here in front of me, but that just shows the versatility. Oh, here it is. He covered um, he covered uh, Colin Johnson um, on a third and six at the Browns' 29. And the Jacks threw him the ball, and JOK covered him well enough to stop him for no gain. And, uh, and that made the Jags settle for a field goal, and the and their kicker, Josh Lambeau, missed the 47-yarder the next play. 9.02 left in the third quarter. So there it is. That was it. It wasn't just the blitz up the middle, the tackles for loss, the speed and everything. It's the versatility. It's the idea that he is the modern-day fit for weak side linebacker in the system because he is not a traditional linebacker. He's a safety linebacker hybrid and you can you can look at him next to safeties on the team and he looks virtually the same body type but look how the speed translates um did i see him in at some safety at the end of the game i thought i did it, I, I couldn't tell because the, the the camera shot was more close in than showing the the, the formation but he's it looked like he spent a lot of time in the second half in that defensive backfield. I don't know about that. That okay. would that would really surprise me. But if you if you look at him and you look at the safeties, like I said, I mean I I've done it at training camp because I just you know I've seen them up close together. Even in the indoor the other day when they went in the field house, we actually got to stand really close um, when the, when the there were the storms. That, that forced practice in the indoor that one time. Um, and I got some good up close looks at him next to safeties and they are, they're the same size. Yeah. They're, they're identical. You Pretty could close. tell, yeah. you could tell when he was at the podium, it's like, he is not the prototypical 
linebacker from let's call it hell. Let's even go back five years. Right. And yeah. he, 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 he's just not that. Before before the last couple years, speed at linebacker, that kind of speed at linebacker was a bonus, not generally an expect, expectation. You were considered a freak at linebacker if you if you had that. And now he's he's got everything. The speed, the ability. I saw the ability to tackle today. I mean, and, and he was laying licks on guys too. I mean, he's physical. He's fast. And it looks like he plays within himself. He doesn't go for the big hit from what I've seen. It, it, it's he's he's he just wants to get you down, make a play. And and it's it's basic but elevated football, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And he I talked to his um defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, who's a Vanderbilt coach, Clark Lee. And Clark Lee talked about just the explosion of power that this guy has that you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell from just looking at his frame and his build. And he said that, you know, Notre Dame had some of the best offensive linemen in the country during JOK's days there. And he would, he would mix it up and get in blitz and, and, and get active, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage with some of these guys in a way you would not expect from just looking at them. So there is some real power there. Um, and I think it can be deceiving just to look at him. He is not a big guy. Provided, and I, I again, we I, we both think he quote unquote caught up this evening. I don't see how you say anything but he caught up. Pro, pro, provided he makes it to the regular season and he's a significant contributor to this defense. Is it possible he comes into the league and his skills, his set, his skill set is underestimated for that very reason that you just mentioned? I I think people are going to know what he is, but I do think there's something to what you're saying too, because let's remember everybody on earth who, who evaluates the draft, analyzes the draft, had this guy as a first round pick, and then here comes the draft and he's not a first round pick. So, you know, whether that was the heart issue story, you know, that getting flagged by the the medical guys at the combine, or if it's people thinking that he doesn't fit in their scheme because he is that hybrid, or if it was a combination of those things, whatever it was, this guy that everybody thought would be picked in the first round isn't. The Browns had no scenario. They were they run all these simulations, Paul D. Podesta and his crew. I mean <laughs> It's amazing, right, what these guys come up with. And none of those simulations, they had him getting Greg Newsom the second and Jeremiah Usakormo, but it really happened. So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think there's – just look at draft night of how he was basically overlooked or knocked down from what most people thought he would be just based on his play at Notre Dame. Who else stood out to you tonight? I, I've got a, a couple guys – I. Go ahead. Tell me your guys first. I like Demetric Felton. Yeah, yeah. No I, mean, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thinking of the, the one slant pass that he picked out of the air, and it was thrown in traffic. The pass had no business being thrown, and he just went and got it. And it's like, yeah, he's, he's a running back slash wide receiver, but I'm sorry, I wasn't expecting that. I'll tell you what, he looked really good tonight, and and they let him play slot receiver. 
And he has exactly what you're saying. He has split his time. One day at training camp, he's a running back. Another day, he's a receiver. The coaches call him and they tell him, this is what you're going to do today. And then he goes and he does it in the meeting room and on the field. And it's remarkable because think about how much these guys have to deal with, with as rookies and how much information they're, they're given with the NFL playbook. And, and it really takes a special guy, I think, to be able to process all of it and do so with two positions. I mean, that's that would really, I think, be like, you know, way too much water out of the fire hose for a typical guy. So he must be really, really smart and hardworking. And he was talking about it. He he was a part of our media interviews this past week. And, you know, he's saying he falls asleep studying when our co- colleague uh, Marla Ryan and I were asked him about the, the, the time commitment required to do this. He's pulling it off. He looked great. And another guy, just Donovan Peoples-Jones, continuing to to excel. He's As you know, George, he's been the undisputed training camp MVP out there in Berea. And, you know, obviously he showed it in some games last year. He, he only had 14 catches, George, but they were big catches. Uh, one of them was a game-winning touchdown catch. Another was a 75-yard real big momentum play uh, against the Titans in a big game. So, you know, we saw glimpses of it last year. He's continued, uh, you know, his development with this really strong training camp and then come out tonight and and play the way he did. I thought was really impressive and tells me this is going to translate. This is going to translate for him to continue to ascend. How about the uh, out route that he ran? Keenum threw it behind him and he sticks one arm out, brings it in for a first down. Um, that's what we've seen in training camp. He's just catching he, he's catching virtually everything. He's doing it in traffic, strong hands, impressive body, speed. Uh, we're talking about two sixth-round picks, DPJ last year and Felton this year. Somebody's doing their job in Berea. That's clear. Andrew Barry and company. <laughs> Major props for those two picks. Um. One person I was and it was nullified by a penalty, and I, I I I went back and I looked at it. It was an unnecessary penalty. It looked like to me, but one one person I'm glad to see actually break out a little bit with a big play was JoJo Natson, um, University of Akron. Obvious reasons I covered him in college, and he had a huge punt return called back. I've you probably want to take a look at it yourself, but I looked at it and it's like the block was unnecessary. They, right. they called somebody for blocking below the, below the waist. And it's like, it was a, totally unnecessary. All he had to do was tie the guy up in, in a little bit and boom. So I was happy to see Jojo make some noise this evening. And he, he nearly did it earlier in the game too. It looked like he had something on another, another punt return and I, I think he brought it back for five yards, but it, it looked like he could go there too. So I was well, to see, given that he he was coming, he's coming back from an ACL injury yeah. in the third game last year. I, I was interested to see what he was going to do. Everybody's been talking about the way OBJ has come back. Yeah. I mean, for him to to come back and look that impressive in the first preseason game, he deserves all the props in the world for 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 that. I think. 
You're absolutely right. I couldn't have said it better. And and really, after he got hurt, that return game was non-existent. That's yeah. something they really want to get shored up. So that's encouraging. And he's a guy, you know, uh, very much on the bubble, you know. But if he can really convince them that he's going to be the returner they need, uh, you know, I could see him sticking around. Let's see. And, and before he got injured, they were trying to work him into the offense, too. Oh, absolutely. Jet sweeps, screens. They really like the gadget stuff with him. So, I mean, are, are he in, in that regard, let's say he and Demetric Felton both make the roster, are they interchangeable in that regard? Should should the Browns decide to take advantage of Felton's return, return talents as well? That's a great question. I know that Mike Prefer wants to develop him in a dual returner. Um, but yeah, it's those guys in, in what's helping Natson right now and what's really leading or has led Felton to do as much moonlighting at receiver as he has done. Anthony Schwartz is the guy they really envisioned for this stuff. You know, the, the gadget stuff we talked about. He's, he's hamstring in the spring, came back, started camp, hamstring again. We haven't seen that, that Olympic caliber speed on the field that they coveted picked him in the third round so yeah um natson has an opportunity we saw him take advantage tonight and that is a bummer for him that it got called back but that was a good observation by you george and that's a guy who definitely deserves to be talked about because you're right as much as we talk about obj here's a guy making another you know comeback from the same injury and doing a lot more at this point of course, OBJ's injury was about four weeks after Natson, so that does make sense on the timeline, timetable standpoint. But you still got to give uh, Natson a lot of credit for the comeback. Anything else stand out for you? I mean, yeah, um, boy. I mean, I know it is a meaningless preseason game, George, but there was a lot. Um, how about um, well, the kickers were perfect, so we don't really gain or. Uh, well, okay, technically, yes. One but Parky induced a, a couple yeah. of heart palpitations. Okay, perfect with an asterisk because, <laughs> uh, right, yeah. And you know what? That's that's a good point. Um, Mike Prefer undoubtedly, even though the, the field goal is good, he undoubtedly grades the quality of the make, and it did hit the upright even though it went in. Um, so – that that was interesting seeing that go center stage under the lights. Uh, I believe it's a real competition. You know, we a lot of people thought that when they claimed Chase McLaughlin off uh, waivers in May that he was just a, a camp leg. Well, I think if you've been to these thirteen training camp practices, you've realized that this is a real competition. Um, and overall, you know, it's been about even except for the one day early in camp. Um, it was the first team field goal period they had. Parkey went one for five, and I think that was eye-opening to a lot of people. And McLaughlin's been pretty consistent. Um, I don't know. What did you think about Greedy? I mentioned him earlier, but Greedy Williams, another guy who needs to be mentioned for a comeback. You know, missed all of last season with the nerve damage in the shoulder. Cleared for contact in training camp, making uh, appearances in team drills, and there he was out there in the starting lineup with Greg Newsom the second. 
you know, kind of hard for me to tell on TV, you know, everything that happened there. Um, I know that Newsom had a couple tackles, Greedy had one, and Newsom obviously was targeted a decent amount, had some good coverage, was really – I think it was Marvin Jones. He was he was glued, to the ball, but his back was to the ball. They both ended up kind of hugging the ball, and Newsom comes away with it. But in that in that instance, it's going to go to the receiver. Thirty five yard catch. That was the longest gain for for Jacksonville. Did you have any uh, thoughts think, on those guys? I think Greedy looked a bit rusty, and that's that's fair. That that's at this point, that's allowed. I mean, from everything I know about that that injury, he's lucky to be back. Good for him. Yeah, he's got to shake off the rust. I think that's what it is. With Newsom, it's inexperience in the NFL. I think. I mean, he said it himself after after the game. He's got to learn to play his, his man better. It's it's that simple. It's different than than college. I mean, in in college, let let's face it. If we're being being realistic. You get past Ohio State and the Big Ten, the competition isn't that great. That's the best way to put it. And I'm not trying to offend Northwestern or Scott Petrick for that matter. <laughs> but but it, the, the level of competition is a bit different. It, there's going to be a learning curve. So first preseason game, eh, you know, there was some good, there was some bad. It's what you'd expect. Yeah. Um, I will say that I thought that there were some performances on the D line that were encouraging. Um, Who's this I, day guy? Sheldon Day. Yeah, yeah. Sheldon Day. He's quietly been working in to the rotation right behind um, Andrew Billings and Malik Jackson, and some sometimes even getting in some uh, reps with the ones like. I've seen this thing like when they go short yards or goal line, they sometimes in practice are using five D linemen, and I've seen them out there in those situations with the ones. Uh, very, you know, kind of quietly making a case for himself, and now he owns a memorable moment. Number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, first snap in the NFL in a preseason game, and Sheldon A gets a sack. So. Thought that was kind of fitting for him because he has been making moves in training camp. Um, Joe Jackson had a pressure. He actually hit the shoulder pad of Minshew and kind of jerked him back uh, right before JOK got to him on that sack. The JOK's blitz up the middle. Um, Porter Gustin had a sack of, of Trevor Lawrence too. Those ends: Joe Jackson, Porter Gustin, Cameron Malvo. Uh, Curtis Weaver, those are all guys in, in the mix down the depth chart who are trying to take advantage of an opportunity right now with Tack McKinley out for personal reasons. The Browns really need somebody to step up because after Miles Garrett and J.A.B. and Clowney, if Tack McKinley isn't going to be you know, back um, as soon as the Browns hope he is or if there's going to be like an ongoing or lingering issue there, they're going to need – some of these guys to step up or they're going to have to make a move because, you know, we know Jadavian Clowney's injury history and we know Miles Garrett's missed a decent amount of time in his young career too. So, you know, that's such an important position. You don't want to end up with a lack of sack production on a team that you're expecting to make a deep playoff run 
and have this revamped defense, you know, not look as good as it should because, you know, all of a sudden your depth at the end is really struggling. Anybody else? I thought the quarterbacks played pretty well. Who? How do you pronounce his Kyle, name? Kyle Kyle Loletta, the third string quarterback. He, he he was impressive. Yeah, worth developing, right? You you know if you keep him on a, you want to keep him around, you know. So if he's on the practice squad, um, you know I think that's a good thing. I think that we don't have to talk about it much because the Browns have their guy for the first time in forever. But you know Baker Mayfield resting. Case Keenum got out there and got – really, he's had a good camp, and he's just a guy who knows the system so well with his history with Kevin Stefanski and his success in that year with the Vikings where he played a lot. Um, so that's a luxury, man. I mean, it's such a luxury to have a good backup like that. I mean, look at the Eagles did with, uh, with Nick Foles won the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I'm just saying if you're the Browns, like I've actually – people have asked me, would you trade Case Keenum if one of these teams, you know, comes a call in? I know there's just a little bit of people wondering when Carson Wentz got hurt and now the Colts expect him back or whatever for the start of the season or early in the season. And, you know, there was – I heard some people, some talk, just some speculation, kind of sports talk radio or just chatter, stuff like that about Case Keenum. And I'm like, I wouldn't do it in my mind because, you know, Baker – He's been really durable and everything, but you never know. And if something happens, your season's up in smoke if you don't have that guy who can come in. Yeah. And with the where the, where the Browns are and all the investments they made in the defense this year to, to revamp it, they're clearly saying their window is open now. And it's the NFL. It doesn't – I mean, other than like the Patriots because you get the greatest quarterback of all time, that window usually is not open for a long time. So like – you don't want to waste a, a wasted season. And if you happen to have somebody who knows the system and has had success with Kevin Stefanski and go in the NFC title game with him and the Vikings, and like, yeah, that's a real luxury. Big question I, I saw everywhere tonight, social media actually, is when are we going to see the starters? You know what? You know, the one thing I think everyone – learned from last year is that in theory the starters don't need to play a lick of preseason football i i, think, I agree I think, I think you want to see them one series maybe two you get them the hell out of there and that's it but You have to think that they have their two deep pretty much set. I would I would take that bet. So, are are you risking these guys in any preseason games? I would not. And this is something I I like to point out. A little trivia question for you, George. Do you remember last year when the first day of training camp was? The first full-scale practice of training camp? God, no. It was August 14th. Yeah, it was mid-June. It was today. No, it was August 14th. Today. Yeah, it was today. It was a year ago today. So think about what we have today compared to last year. We have on August 14th, 2021, 
we have 13 full squad training camp practices in the books and a preseason game in the books. On August 14th, 2020, yeah. that was the first practice. So yeah. they're getting a lot more work this year is my point. The pandemic changed everybody's life in a lot of ways, and it's changed the way NFL teams and coaches look at the preseason, or at least it should have changed the way they look at it. If they're smart, they will. Kevin Stefanski and the Browns are smart now. Andrew Barry, brilliant. Paul D. Podesta, these guys are smart. They are going to change the way they look at it, and it, the, they're going to handle the preseason in ways they've never handled before because they're coming off that pandemic experience where there were no preseason games, and it's a confluence of that, and here we are with only three preseason games and 17 regular season games for the first time in the history of the world. And then on in addition to that, the Browns are good. They expect to be in the playoffs. They expect to make a run. And they're counting on much more than 17 real games. They're counting on 18, 19, and they hope 20 um, games that really matter and count. So this is very much a marathon, and that's why I don't think you need to see these guys in the preseason at all. Now, you and I both know there's one old school <laughs> No doubt, and people will point out that the Browns were blown out in the pre in the uh, regular season opener last year in Stefanski's debut to the Ravens, and yes, um, they were, but obviously it didn't ruin their season. And again, they didn't get to start practice until August 14th. Now they could go out and get blown out by the Chiefs because the Chiefs are the two-time defending AFC champion Chiefs, and they're going to be at Arrowhead. But I think the the chances of them competing and playing a tight game are are much greater with everything they're going to have under their belts. This is continuity now. They've been in a system together. It's just it's total apples and oranges compared with the situation going into last year. Whether you play the pre, whether you play any starters in the preseason or not. We cover everything. I'm sure we forgot something, but uh, I think that's a lot. Um, well, I'm just looking over at my notes. I see Richard LeCount's name. That's one we didn't mention. Yeah. He had a good – He did, yeah. Fifth he, rounder? Yeah, Fifth and he, yeah he, um, he's from Georgia uh, and was an all-SEC guy and then got in like a motorcycle accident and so was available late in the draft. Fifth-round pick. And, uh, yeah, almost two interceptions, but he had one instead. He did not haul in the, the first one that he broke up along the sideline. But, anyway, yeah, George, um, there, there was a lot to take in and to learn tonight, even though it was a preseason game. I thought it was interesting because, um, you know, these are the opportunities when, when, you're, when you're a good team like the Browns finally are. These are the opportunities to, to get a lot of young guys' valuable experience. And there are some exciting young guys, which is another sign of a good organization. Like we said before, look at the six-round picks of the, this this year and last year. Two of the stars of the night, two of the stars of camp. Yes, sir. All right. I think we're going to call it a night. Sounds great. I have lobster and steak to shop for tomorrow. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I spoil myself. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> I'm George Thomas with Nate Ulrich from the Akron Beacon Journal, Brown's beat reporter. And we will probably see you next week when the Browns take on the Giants at First Energy Stadium. And I'm thankful for a one o'clock home preseason game. Aren't you? Yeah, and we'll we'll see how the joint practices go leading up to that. Those will be the really interesting ones. And another reason why I don't think you need to play starters in the in the any of the three preseason games because you're going to get them the work you want to get them situationally uh, in those joint practices. So if you want your first team offense to get some red zone to get some two minute, you're not guaranteed those situations in any particular preseason game. Those situations have to unfold in the game. But in the joint practice, you can set them up. Yep. It's a, it's a, it's a way easier way to simulate it, and then you can get the work you want. So I think that that's the way this is going to go. And I, I, I don't see the wisdom in playing them in the preseason, given everything I've said. I mean, all the changes with the pandemic, the scheduling, and they're going to try to get some work done against the Giants coming up this week. I'm right there with you. And I'll see you this week.